Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Good morning. It's November 7th, 2018, and this is episode 30 of Bitcoin And. And I haven't even looked at the election results yet because it's 548 in the morning and I... (laughs) I just don't give. I just don't really care about the clown the clown show anymore. Um, I guess I'll find out what happened after the show, but I figured it would be much better to do this first and and worry about nonsense later. So let's get right into the vitals. Uh, Bitcoin price is an average of six thousand five hundred forty eight dollars, with a high of. Uh, Bitfinex at $6,575 and a low of Gemini is listing it at 6486 So eh, spread's not that, you know, not all that there. <clears throat> Active addresses for Bitcoin is 642,000. 300,000 transactions have been performed in the last 24 hours with an average per hour of 12,400 transactions. 911,000 Bitcoin have been sent over the last 24 hours with an average sent per hour of 38,000. Average transaction value is 3.04 Bitcoin and the median transaction value is higher today at 0.043 BTC or $282 USD. Block time is 10 minutes 40 seconds. With the twenty-four, with the last twenty-four hour blocks being produced, a hundred and thirty-four, and the average blocks per hour is at six. Zero point one four nine seven BTC have been taken in fees uh, per block, and sixteen hundred seventy-five Bitcoin have been produced in the last twenty-four hours with twenty BTC taken in fees. We've seen a fall in hash rate, uh, 5.4% down to 47.3 exahashes per second. And for those who don't know what that means, the exahashes per second is sort of the uh, strength of the network as far as its computational power is concerned. And that's what unlocks uh, unlocks blocks. That's how blocks are mined. The uh, last GitHub commit was yesterday. <laughs> At, uh, yeah, yesterday. Uh, election day in the United States, uh, November 6, 2018. Uh, Ether's last GitHub commit was today, uh, the 7th. And Bcash's last commit was on the 4th of November. Across the board, Ethereum is holding above 200 at 220.97. Bcash has got its pump going, 633.87. God, that's just, that bag is... The clown show that's coming up on November fifteenth, the split, uh, be long popcorn on that one because it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. 
Uh, Litecoin is at $55. Ethereum Classic is at $9.75. Bitcoin Gold is at $31.23. Dogecoin is 0.0037 USD. With, uh, let's see. Yeah, Bcash is uh, winning the shitcoin contest with 68,972 transactions over the last 24 hours. Uh, this is that's due to the due to the bump. Let's see what their uh, yeah their tweets per day has actually increased to over a, over a thousand. Hey, well welcome to four digits in, in people actually talking about your bag on Twitter compared to actual Bitcoin, which is twenty five thousand five hundred and fifty tweets per day. Uh, that'll do it for the vital statistics. Today's Bitcoin history is brought to you by satoshi.nakamotoinstitute.org forward slash emails. On November the November the 8th, 2008, Ray Dillinger had responded back to Satoshi Nakamoto's original posting of the white paper in the cryptography emailing list, uh, where he says the quote-unquote currency is inflationary at about 35% as that's how much faster computers get annually. The inflation rate of 35% is almost guaranteed by the technology. The reply, increasing hardware speed is handled. Quote, to compensate for increasing hardware speed and varying interest in running nodes over time, the proof of work difficulty is determined by a moving average targeting an average number blocks of blocks per hour. If they're generated too fast, the difficulty increases. As computers get faster and the total computing power applied to creating bitcoins increases, the difficulty increases proportionally to keep the new or the total new production constant. Thus, it is known in advance how many new bitcoins will be created every year in the future. The fact that new coins are produced means the money supply increases by a planned amount, but this does not necessarily result in inflation. If the supply of money increases at the same time that the number of people using it increases, prices remain stable. If it does not increase as fast as demand, there will be deflation and early holders of money will see its values in value increase. Coins have to get initially distributed somehow, and a constant rate seems like the best formula. Satoshi Nakamoto. So he's just kind of like putting this guy this guy's fears to rest that the inflation would be 35% annually because that would be that would be bad <coughs> and what happens is for those who don't know uh, the algorithm looks at uh, how many blocks are being uh, bitcoins are minted every block right now it's 12 12 and a half bitcoins per block um, the block time should be around 10 minutes that means that every 10 minutes 12 and a half bitcoins are created if it goes faster, the difficulty of the the difficulty of the uh, problem being solved to mint the block increases to retarget to ten minutes. If it uh, mints too slow, then that means some of the the hashing power has gone away. Then the difficulty retargets down to readjust to about 10 minutes and the retargeting time as far as I know right now is like every two weeks 
is when the system kind of takes a uh, takes sort of like a consensus of itself and says, yes, for over the last two weeks we've been a little fast, so we're going to so the system increases its difficulty, so that ten minute blocks are are virtually guaranteed, and uh, that's your day in Bitcoin history again. Go to the nakamotoinstitute.org and, and read through the emails because it all kind of started there. And speaking speaking about uh, Bitcoin mining, um, <clears throat> the uh, Bitcoin history is brought to you by Coindesk.com in one of their older articles. Last update is last updated the 29th of uh, January 2018, but it's it's original in its original form. It was actually much older. Um, and this this one talks about how mining, obviously how mining works. So let's go. When you hear about Bitcoin mining, you envisage coins being dug out of the ground. But Bitcoin isn't physical, so why do we call it mining? Because it's similar to gold mining in that Bitcoins exist in the protocol's design just as the gold exists underground. But they haven't been brought out into the light yet, just as gold hasn't been dug up. The Bitcoin protocol stipulates that 21 million Bitcoins will exist at some point. What miners do is bring them out into the light a few at a time. They get to do this as a reward for creating blocks of validated transactions and including them in the blockchain. Nodes. Backtracking a bit, let's talk about nodes. A node is a powerful computer that runs the Bitcoin software and helps to keep Bitcoin running by participating in the relay of information. Anyone can run a node. You just download the Bitcoin software, which is free, and leave a certain port open. The drawback is that it it consumes energy and storage space. The network at time of writing takes up about 145 gigabytes. Nodes spread Bitcoin transactions around the networks. One node will, node will send information to a few nodes that it knows, who will relay the information to nodes that they know, etc. That way it ends up getting around the, world, the whole network pretty quickly. Some network mining nodes, usually referred to as miners, <coughs> these group outstanding transactions into blocks and add them to the blockchain. How do they do this? By solving a complex mathematical puzzle that is part of the Bitcoin program and including the answer in the block. <clears throat> the puzzle needs solving. Sorry. The puzzle that needs solving is to find a number that, when combined with the data in the block and passed through a hash function, produces a result that is within a certain range. This is much harder to do than it sounds. For trivia lovers, this number is called a nonce. <clears throat> which is a con- concatenation of number used once. In the case of Bitcoin, the nonce is an integer between zero and four million, or four billion two hundred ninety-four million nine hundred sixty-seven thousand two hundred ninety-six. Solving the puzzle. How do they find this number? By guessing at random. The hash function makes it impossible to predict what the output will be, so miners guess the mystery number and apply the hash function to the combination of that guess number and the data in the block. The resulting hash has to start with a pre-established number of zeros. There's no way of, of knowing which number will work because two consecutive integers will give wildly varying results. What's more, there may be several nonces that produce the desired result, or there may be none, in which case the miners keep trying, but with a different block configuration. 
The first miner to get a resulting hash within the desired range announces its victory to the rest of the network. All the other miners immediately stop work on that block and start trying to figure out the mystery number for the next one. As a reward for its work, the victorious miner gets some new Bitcoin. Economics. At the time of writing, the reward is 12.5 Bitcoins, which at the time of writing is worth almost $200,000 US. Although it's not nearly as cushy as a deal as it sounds, there, is a, there are a lot of mining notes competing for that reward, and it is a question of luck and computing power. The more guessing calculations you can perform, the luckier you are. Also, the costs of being a mining node are considerable, not only because of the powerful hardware needed. If you have a faster processor than your competitors, you have a better chance of finding the correct number before they do, but it also consumes large amounts of electricity that running these processors but also because of the large amounts of electricity that running these processors consume and the number of bitcoins awarded as a reward for solving the puzzle will decrease it's 12.5 now but it halves every four years or so the next one is expected in 2020 2021 the value of Bitcoin relative to cost of electricity and hardware could go up over the next few years to partially compensate this reduction, but it's not certain. Difficulty. The difficulty of the calculation. The required number of zeros at the beginning of the hash string is adjusted frequently so that it takes, on average, about 10 minutes to process a block. Why 10 minutes? That is the amount of time that the Bitcoin developers think is necessary for a steady and diminishing flow of new coins until the maximum number of 21 million is reached, expected sometime in 2140. If you've made it this far, then congratulations. There is still so much more to explain about the system, but at least now you have an idea of the broad outline of the genius of the programming and the concept. For the first time, we have a system that allows for convenient digital transfers in a decentralized, trust-free, and tamper-proof way. The reper repercussions could be huge. And that's your uh, Bitcoin 101 for the day. Oh, so the morning roundup is brought to you by a lawsuit between the two major United States scouting organizations. <laughs> yes, that's right, people. The Girl Scouts of America are suing the Boy Scouts of America for trademark infringement. And that's that's what the lawsuit says. That's not what it is. This is retaliation by the Girl Scouts to the Boy Scouts for changing their name to Scouts of America and accepting girls, which was done, I want to say, I found out about it sometime. It was either last year or very early, earlier this year. But uh, when the Boy Scouts did that, um, and started accepting girls in, in, into their organization, uh, the Girl Scouts kind of saw the writing on the wall. Uh, I, I'm not going to get further into this, but um, I, think the best, I think the best thing for the Girl Scouts and the Boy Scouts to do, instead of having a lawsuit, is to go to arbitrage and figure out how to um, have those two scouting organizations um, become one scouting organization under Scouting of America and just have the Boy Scouts and the Girl Scouts just sort of be one thing, combine the properties and be done with it. But that's probably not going to happen. It's probably going to stay in the courts for a while. So 
<sighs> expect your cookie and popcorn sales to be affected. Next up in the stack. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to talk about this a little bit. I got, I finally, finally got my cash card from the Cash App pe- <clears throat> people. And it's slick. It, it's it's a slick deal, man. Um, the, I mean, other than the fact that the card actually looks pretty, it's, it's a neat looking card. It actually has a security feature that I didn't realize. Um, the numbers, it's, it's, well, first of all, it's laser etched, right? So the numbers are actually dug into the plastic instead of being raised on top of it. Well, that allows them to do something that I didn't expect when I got my card. Because when you, when a regular credit card is done, it's the numbers are basically the card is heated, or while it's still hot, the card is um, sent through, uh, is pressed onto a set of onto the set of numbers that will become the credit card number. So it presses up from the back through the front and raises the numbers up. Well, that means that those numbers are on the front and the back of the card. So when you put the, when you pull your card out, any surveillance camera that's high definition, which a lot of them are nowadays, all you need is one clear frame on the video from a security camera and I can read your numbers. And if you're not shielding your pin number, if you're putting it in, at the register, well, if I'm a security guy, I've got your credit card number and I've got your PIN number. The cool thing about the cash card is, is that because it's not done that way, because it is laser etched, is that the numbers are on the back of the card and are, unless you turn your card over, which you don't do in the United States to swipe the card or put the chip in, um, the numbers can't be seen by the security cameras. And I think that's pretty slick. The other thing that's really slick about it is that the second that I make a purchase, I can look at my Cash App app uh, on my on my iPhone, and I can see that transaction, where it was made, what city it was made in, within seconds. And the third thing is, I can turn the card off. So if somebody, somehow or another, if I decided to give my numbers to like a monthly subscription, you know, pers- or I don't know, so, something something where like let's say an annual deal where an annual subscription comes up and it's like I have 50 bucks or whatever and I know that thing's coming up and I'm just tired of paying them and for you know for whatever reason they won't they won't shut it down or you know stop the service uh, like I've asked them to and it's happened you know it's it's not out uh, it's certainly a reality for me in a couple of a couple of occasions Um, I can just turn the card off and they just they just can't get to it um, and that's it. I don't have to try to go through the bank. I don't have to deal with their 800 number. I can just tell them to go pound sand and turn that card off. And if I have to, I'll pay for another one from the guys at Cash App with a different number. But so far, man, I've, been, I've used it twice yesterday and just kind of, you know, been looking at it and, 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 you know, running around in my hands. And the fact that I can reload it from another credit card or, well, like another debit card or link it to a bank account and just kind of use it like, you know, like cash and kind of pretend I'm doing the Dave Ramsey thing where I've got money in an envelope and whenever that card's, you know, uh, empty, that's pretty much it. I mean, there's, there's, I, I, I see a lot of potential uses for this card. I am really, really, um, it's, it's sort of made having to spend money that I don't want to spend at least palatable again, just because it is so damn slick. So if you haven't got your cash app, get one. And if you haven't ordered your cash card, 
you know, get one, man, because it's, in my opinion, it's worth it. Next up in the stack is from Bitcoin Magazine. Bitfury secures $80 million <coughs> in private funding round. And I'm glad to hear that because Bitfury is the only is the only stalwart standing that's big enough against Bitmain uh, to be uh, a good competitor. And they are still actual, you know, actual Bitcoin is still respected by Bitfury, unlike Bitmain, which is, for whatever reason, bouncing around the clown car with um, Roger Ver and, and the rest of the, the rest of those guys. Um, so, yeah, they closed a Series C, $80 million funding round led by EU-based Corellia Capital. The round also included crypto merchant bank Galaxy Digital, Leon, Jabra Group, Dentsu Incorporated, Armat Group, and others. So they have got a good amount of uh, liquefied capital in their pockets, and that's that's good. I, I hope they put that to good use. Uh, last up in the stack, <laughs> an XPJP. Sorry, an ex-JP Morgan Chase trader has admitted to manipulating U.S. metal markets for about seven years and has implicated his supervisors as teaching him how to do it uh, by Bitcoin. Seriously, dude, this is ridiculous. <clears throat> so, yeah, J John Edmonds, this is from CNBC. John Edmonds, 36, pleaded guilty to one count of commodities fraud and one count of conspiracy to commit wire fraud, price manipulation, and spoofing. Edmund, a 13-year J.P. Morgan veteran, said that he learned how to manipulate prices from more senior traders and that his supervisors at the firm knew of his actions. So, yeah, J.P. Morgan Chase, um, and we all know who their CEO is, um, is... You know, uh, take it for what it's worth. I mean, I guess a lot of people could go, well, it's just one bad apple, but I call it bullshit. I think it's a basket of bad apples, and I think it's causing problems. I think it has been causing problems. And I think if the ball drops the way that we think it's going to drop, these people are just going to lose their foothold on any power, any influence, or any wealth that they thought they were going to be able to get in the future because I think people are getting tired of this bullshit. I know I've been tired of it for a long, long time. And I think the more we see this kind of garbage go on, and God forbid that there's another uh, 2008, which there probably is right around the corner because the exact same situation, only worse, has been allowed to fester. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it, it, I, think when, I think when the next one hits, these kind of things are just going to be Maybe maybe the next time, maybe people actually will go to jail. I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. But that is it for the Morning Roundup. And we are on to Marty's Bent for Tuesday, November 6, 2018. Issue number 355, Sharpening the pitch as someone who has been fascinated with bitcoin for a bit and in turn someone who has had to try to explain bitcoin to many people in the past i'm always looking to sharpen the pitch so that i am able to incite an aha moment in the head over who i usually <clears throat> i am usually pretty poorly attempting to explain bitcoin to 
There have been many forms of pitch throughout the years as my understanding of Bitcoin has evolved with the digestion of new information. Most recently, during a conversation with Justice Moon, Justin Moon on Tales from the Crypt, we stumbled into a simple explanation of Bitcoin that I think will really resonate with people who are trying to earnestly understand for the first time. Bitcoin is the currency for the common man. To say... To save money that maintains purchasing power throughout the course of your life in today's world, the average person needs to know about 401ks, mutual funds, stocks, bonds, and other investment vehicles where they can park their money because leaving it in a savings account will actually cause the money to lose value over time as inflation eats away at their purchasing power. So is the nature of the inflationary system that we, that we derided in yesterday's issue. For the common man, this is an extremely arduous task as the amount of extra time and money needed to be spent on educating yourself about these investment vehicles is material. And a lot of people don't have the time outside of working a grueling job and raising a family to properly ed- to properly educate themselves about the viability of these products and the risks associated with investing in them. This leaves the common man at a severe disadvantage as he attempts to climb the social ladder. Bitcoin, on the other hand, offers a system in which the common man benefits greatly from the fact that he knows his savings will maintain value in the form of purchasing power and maybe even increase in value over the long term, as there is no overwhelming risk of having your percentage of the overall supply diminished artificially via printing more Bitcoins. It is a monetary system that could give the common man peace of mind and a better base from which to begin his climb up the economic ladder. No more need to expend time and energy to and accrue stress as one attempts to traverse the treacherous seas that have become saving one's purchasing power throughout time in an inflationary monetary regime. Many of the problems that arise when attempting to explain Bitcoin stem from the fact that this is so multifaceted. It is often hard to decide where to begin. I've come to find that leading by trying to explain how Bitcoin works at a technical level is never a good decision when someone is trying to understand the system for the first time. However, I think framing Bitcoin as a currency for the common man is a very effective starting point because it helps people realize what it actually takes to save money in today's world and presents an alternative, arguably better. Sorry and presents an alternative, arguably better, option that they can then begin to explore more thoroughly. Understanding why money may need to be rethought may be a prerequisite to understanding how Bitcoin's underlying incentive plus consensus systems work, in my opinion. What do you freaks think? Final thought, I'm ready to meet the aliens. Well, yeah, so am I. Uh, nah, yeah, this, this is, I think this is a good way to go. Um, you know, coming at it from a technical standpoint, right out of the gate, when trying to explain it, it's probably not a good idea. Um, I, I don't know. I'm on board. I like this one. Anyway, so that's going to be Marty's Bent, and you can find Marty's Marty Bent over at Marty Bent on Twitter. And don't forget to go check out uh, TFTC, or rather at TFTC21. That's a twi- the Twitter handle for Tales from the Crypt. And if you haven't heard uh, the uh, uh, interviews uh, that he was talking about with uh, the Justin Moon inter- interview is really very good. It's it's uh, it's excellent. So go do that, and uh, we'll uh, <clears throat> we'll get to Marty's bit when he releases a new one.
We have a new Bitcoin Optech newsletter. This is number 20. It was released yesterday, November 6, 2018. This week's newsletter contains the security notice about the C implementation of BEC32 address decoding and an analysis of a temporary reduction in the number of SegWit blocks, a link to an interesting discussion about the future features of uh, Lightning Network payments, and a few notable code changes in popular Bitcoin infrastructure projects. (coughs) Action items. BEC32 security update for C implementation. If you use the reference implementation of BEC32 address decoding for the C programming language, you need to update to fix a potential overflow bug. Other reference implementations are ineffective. See the news section below for details. News. Temporary reduction in SegWit blocks production. Optech investigated reports that a mining pool had stopped producing blocks that included SegWit transactions. We found that the number of SegWit blocks decreased suddenly around October 20th and began rebounding toward normal a few days ago. A simple explanation for the sudden decrease in rebound could be a minor misconfiguration. By default, Bitcoin Core does not produce SegWit, including blocks, in order to maintain Git block template compatibility with older pre-SegWit mining software. When miners change their software or configuration, it's easily possible to forget to pass the extra flag to enable SegWit. To illustrate how easy it is to make the mistake, this mistake, the example below calls GBT, Git Block Template, with its default parameter and its SegWit parameter, and then compares the results of the total potential block reward subsidy plus fees each block template could earn. And then there's a, a, a couple of code snippets, but e- the code snippet without SegWit will give you 12.543 uh, Bitcoin in return. Turning on SegWit will give you 12.56 three Bitcoin. So there and under today's prices that's that's not negligible. As you can see, a miner who enables SegWit would have earned more income than a non SegWit miner if one of the those example blocks templates had been mined. Although a small difference in absolute terms due to current almost empty mempools, about zero point zero two Bitcoin or a hundred dollars, in relative terms the SegWit including example block uh, template receives almost 50% more fee income than the legacy only template. As mining is expected to be common, uh, a commodity service with thin profit margins, this seems to be enough of an incentive to get miners to create SegWit including blocks, and it will only become more important in the future as more users switch to using SegWit. The block subsidy decreases and perhaps fees increase. Bitcoin Core 0.17.0.1 updated Bitcoin D's built-in documentation for GBT to mention the need to enable SegWit. And it has been proposed in developer discussions to enable SegWit GBT by default in some future version, but still provide a backward compatible option to disable it. Overflow bug in reference C language BEC32 implementation Trezor publicly disclosed a bug they discovered in the reference implementation of the BEC32 address function for the C programming language. A patch has been released fixing the bug. The bug does not affect users of the other reference implementations (coughs) written in other programming languages. As Trezor responsibly disclosed the bug to multiple other projects, they learned from Ledger about an additional bug in the Trezor crypto library for 
Bitcoin Cash style addresses that use the same basic structure as Bitcoin BEC32 addresses. A patch for that has also been released. Discussion about improving Lightning payments. In advance of an upcoming meeting between Lightning, Pro- Lightning Network Protocol developers, Rusty Russell started a discussion about two problems he thinks could potentially be solved using scriptless scripts as described in newsletter number 16. One, an invoice can only be paid a maximum of one time. It'd be nice for multiple people to be able to pay the same invoice, such as a static donation invoice or a monthly recurring payment, recurrent payment. Two, the protocol doesn't provide proof of proof of payment by a particular spender. You can prove that a particular invoice was paid and that the invoice could commit to the identity of the person who was supposed to pay it, but both the spender and the nodes who help route the payment to the recipient all have the same data about the payment. So any one of them could claim to have sent the payment themselves. Optech recommends. If you're looking for more news about Lightning, Check out Renee Pickart's new weekly collection of the best tweets about Lightning Network and what people are building with it. Follow it at Renee Pickart, R-E-N-E-P-I-C-K-H-A-R-D-T on Twitter to get the latest news and check out the previously published issues 1, 2, and 3. And that's probably good advice. I'm going to save that. Um... Notable code changes. Notable code changes this week in Bitcoin Core, LND, C Lightning, and LIBSECP256K1. Bitcoin Core number 14454 adds support to the import multi RPC for SegWit addresses and scripts P2WPKH, P2WSH, and P2SH wrapped SegWit. A new witness script parameter fulfills the same role as SegWit as the redeem script parameter for P2SH. Also, a solvable parameter is added to the get address info RPC to let the user know whether the wallet knows the redeem script or witness script for a P2SH or P2WSH address, i.e., whether it knows how to create an unsigned input for spending payments sent to that address. LND number 2027 adds a configuration option that allows a node to reject new channels being opened with an initial push of funds. This eliminates an occasional problem merchants are are seeing where inexperienced users receive a Bolt 11 invoice for some amount of money, realize they don't have a channel open, and so manually open a channel with an initial payment for the invoice to mount. This manually issued payment is not associated with the unique invoice, so the user doesn't receive the product or service they attempted to purchase, and the merchant needs to manually issue a refund if they can. Merchants who enable the new configuration option provided by this PR will be able to automatically prevent users from making this mistake. See Lightning number 2061 fixes the overflow bug in BEC 32 decoding as described in the news section. And that's going to do it for Optech Newsletter number 20. Terrible Joke Corner is brought to you by Communism. A communist joke isn't funny unless everyone gets it. Yeah, political, I know. Might as well. I mean, God only knows what havoc has been wrought on the American democracy 
from the popularity contest that we had to suffer through yesterday, but I'm, I'm sure that I'll find out. But for right now, I sit in ignorant bliss with you, my dear listener, so that I don't have to look at the clown car show anymore, at least until I finish this, this show and then regular media hits my ears. And oh my God, I, I'm not sure if I want to do that. Anyway, so that's your terrible joke corner. Can't tell which is more of a terrible joke, the election process or this particular political joke. The Daily Trainwrecked is brought to you by Shitcoins, five years later. So Morgan uh, at CryptoCrady, at C-R-Y-P-T-O-C-R-A-T-I-E, <clears throat> has posted a uh, looks like a uh, it's a screenshot for, most likely from Coin Market Cap of Bitcoin versus shitcoins five years later. Whereas Bitcoin is at the top of the stack uh, with its percentage increase or decrease at zero point zero zero percent because we're comparing it against itself and all the rest of the the people in the list are compared against Bitcoin. So let's start at the top XRP. Five years later, is down 11.56%. Litecoin is down 53.36%. Purecoin down 95.9%. Namecoin down 97.9%. Feathercoin down 99.2%. Novacoin down 97.0%. Prime coin down 97.4%. Terra coin down 99.52%. Bullion is down 91%. So there you go. If you were holding those bags compared to Bitcoin, um, then you got daily train wrecked. people that's going to do it for me uh it is god it's early um try not to let whichever way you thought the election was going to go don't let it bug you because the chances are real good that it's not going to change the temperature of the water in your pool at all um i've been through both republican congresses democratic controlled congresses and you know quite frankly not a whole lot ever really changes for me think about that I mean I think that that's actually the uh, the takeaway for most people is that this get all we get all riled up about this crap every two years every two years we get whipped up into a frenzy people freak out of the election results and then they wake up the next day they go to the job they get their paycheck they come home they hang out with their family maybe they cook dinner you know it does, it's not really going to matter and being upset about it isn't going to do a whole lot of good either. So don't be like the the Trump scream girl who's just throwing a tantrum either way. So, because I I don't know what the outcome of the election is yet. I have no idea. And quite frankly, I kind of don't care because it's not going to affect me. And if it does, well, I'll figure it out then. But man, I got, I got, I got living to do. So I'm going to go do that now. 
Um, going to go take care of some things that have been left undone. And I will see you guys on the other side. Y'all have a wonderful day. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.